telling you, uh, you have to search pretty hard to, I'll brag on our church a little bit. You have to search pretty hard to find a church that still does so many standards, you know, just what we would call standard hymns. But they're, they're a blessing. I don't know. The, the more I, the older I get and the more I walk with the Lord, the more they seem to mean, uh, you know, we were at the age one time where we wanted the latest and the greatest, didn't care so much about the words, seemed to be, you know, the style of the music. But the, I think the older you get, the more you go through stuff in life, the more that you realize there are songs that are straight out of heaven. Now, I think a lot of Andre Crouch's songs are straight out of heaven. Yeah. And they just, every time you sing them, the blood will never lose its power or my tribute or whatever. I mean, how can you not just be blessed? And... um we, uh, Brother Joe and I were talking in the in the back uh, here just a few minutes before the service about music and how important that it is. Um, I think that in we're just talking about again, this is the end times camp meeting. I think that when you looked at some of the songs that were written in World War II, and you know maybe the maybe the exact doctrine wasn't so spot on about it, but there was an awareness of uh the end times because i mean can you imagine i mean uh, some of you can testify you you lived through it but can you imagine the feeling that you had when you saw you know that a civilized nation was putting folks in ovens and torturing them to death and you know you just think what is the world coming to which one of these monsters is going to be the antichrist and all that and there was all these speculations kenneth hagan used to say i stopped preaching end time prophecy when both of my antichrists died so he said he had <laughs> he had picked <laughs> brother hagan had picked i asked him one time who were they he says i ain't never telling <laughs> he wouldn't tell me who it was i wanted him to tell me <laughs> Was it Hitler or Mussolini? <laughs> oh my gosh! Anyway, um, and um, and and, but I believe that it's time to start start beating that drum again uh, of uh, the message that Jesus is coming soon. And you know, we just don't even hardly hear any messages about that anymore. It's almost like this world is it, and you know, a kind of a kingdom now mentality. And I, there, there are some things about that that's right. You know, we're, we're the occupying force. Amen. The salt in the earth. And while we're occupying, we need to be well supplied. Um, again, the scripture that, uh, that dad Hagen used a lot was if we're willing and obedient, we'll eat of the good of the land. Well, he said, what's good in God's eyes is the best. If God does it, it's the best. So that means, you know, eat the best food, wear the best clothes, drive the best car that for you, you know, whatever that uh, you can't judge somebody else's desire or need off of yours. So you might, well, what do they need with that? Well, it's none of your business, <laughs> right? Praise the Lord. But, uh, everybody to, to each his own in that sense, but it is God's will that we're, that we are healthy and blessed and prosperous and and full of victory in this world but this world is not our home and there's so many songs and it's in that red back hymnal there there's so many songs from the 40s that were written about i think it's because of the times that they were going through about uh, jesus is coming soon and 
And, uh, you know, this world is not my home and, you know, we're, we're, we are citizens of heaven. And, uh, so there's an aware, we need to raise the awareness of the two kingdoms and the two worlds and the two realms. Amen. And, uh, and then we need to beat that drum concerning, uh, the rapture and, and understanding that, uh, what you've laid out here, uh, brother Joe, just, uh, just, uh, yesterday, uh, really helped me because, you know, I've had very good friends who have presented, a, a strong no rapture case based on, I, uh, just confusion of the scripture. It's not that they didn't make a good point, but it's a good point only if it's founded. And so, you know, I, I used to would almost swear by the fact of the rapture, and then I got so so much teaching of questioning it that it was an idea that came around what 150 something years ago from some guy. You probably know all this, and so you know they make a good point of well maybe there's not going to be one and whatever, and then you know the one brother we won't mention his name, but uh, who was teaching that well the rapture is that we just kind of go off the earth six feet and then he comes to, i don't know some kind of a meeting in the air but not very high you know <laughs> we don't want anybody to fall i guess it's you know sort of a, a sort of a nursing home version of meeting in the air you know we don't, don't want anybody to fall uh but uh but there was that doctrine and then you know god's going to set up his kingdom here and whatever and so there's all uh, you know if you take scripture out of context you can basically build any doctrine you want. <laughs> Weird stuff comes out of that. And they have scriptures engraved in stone, you know, on at the uh, Kool-Aid drinking grounds, you know. So uh, so at any rate, you know, th- just what you have laid out here has just been such a blessing. How many have had some questions answered and, yeah. you know, just just some some foundations yeah. that needed underpinning? And so... Uh, and so, Brother Joe, you know, you can thank Sister Ruby here for this meeting because, because it, it was her idea <laughs> to, uh, to, <laughs> well, it was, it was Pastor Scarlett's idea to invite you, but it was Ruby's idea. We were announcing the Gulf Coast meeting and Ruby spoke up, said, why can't we have something here? <laughs> I said, well, okay, you're on. <laughs> well, here we are. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So would you come and bless us, please? That's all I got. <laughs> what I was saying is just the thread of the presence of God, and you 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 long to be with people that that remember that and appreciate that, because without that, there's just it's just flat and dead. We want we want the unction. There's always something God's wanting to say right now. We talk about inspired utterance in, in a known tongue. He's going to inspire what He's already said. And all throughout the Bible, He's coming back. He came and died for us, redeemed you, but He's coming back again. So there's a real uh, punch to that. In other words, if you if you want to jump into a river, there's a river right there. Hallelujah. There's all He's always on go. Hallelujah. You, know, you don't have to wait for unction there. It's just it's automatically with the word. So I just uh, love their thought pattern. And I I had I got something I was thought I was supposed to preach this morning and tonight. So we'll just see which way the Lord wants to go. Amen. I love how it's just let's just let's just do it. Hallelujah. I even got a, a thing about faith for a second. I, you know, my mom being so crazy about the word. I just appreciate Pastor David uh, treating my mom so well. He was such a blessing to her. And uh, you know, you really, you really, the older you get, you're, you're, you're thrilled to see people honor your parents. 
And uh, but you know, my, mom in 1970 she got a hold of the word, and, and we started hearing Kenneth Hagen, and uh, we got kicked out of our denominational church. <laughs> and uh, she just went wholehearted, man. She'd wear take confession packs down. We go skiing, and she's got word packs. I'm like, Mom, we're on the lake, and she's confessing the word on the lake, just just hardcore. And so after hearing Brother Hagen so much on Mark 11, 23 and 24, the last few years the Lord told me a couple of things. He said, if you'll notice about Mark 11, 23 and 24, Jesus used his faith for, for dessert, for figs. Because uh, the next he used it for obstacles, mountains. And then he used it for desires. So think about it. Yeah. You can use your faith for dessert. You can use it for obstacles. You can use it for the desires. Two-thirds of your faith was just to bring you joy. Dessert and desires. One-third of your faith was to move mountains. You don't even need all your faith to move mountains. A third of it was for obstacles. Chew on that for a little bit. We're just blessed. We're blessed. You're so strong this morning. Greater is he that's in you than he is in this world. Daniel saw you. Think about what heaven's already said about you. Daniel said we would know our God, we'd be strong, and we'd do exploits. Man, thank God heaven didn't go with the last day church. going to be clueless. No. He said you're strong. So there is a strength in you. All that word that you heard, it produces a boldness in you and a steadfastness. James, talking about the last days, said we'd have double of what the early church had. But he says be steadfast. Have a stability about you. Uh, and, and patience. I'm not going to preach on that today, but patience and stability should be the twins for the church. That we're not moved by anything. There's stableness and patience. Hallelujah. So let's, let's pick up where we left off last night. I know it's a lot of information, but what we get into last night is a rapture of the church. I love how you talked about there's been such a move to say there's no rapture. Why? Because there is a rapture. <laughs> Just like there'd be a move to say, well, Jesus doesn't heal everybody. No, he already did heal everybody 2,000 years ago. Just like you say Jesus doesn't save anybody. No, he already did 2,000 years ago. So those are lying devils that bring forth things that aren't true. Because Paul said how the Antichrist can't even be revealed. Don't worry, he can't come on the scene. That's the very first seal. So the church has to evacuate because you can't have the Christ here and the Antichrist at the same time. The Bible calls you Christ. Now chew on that for a minute. I have a Kenneth Hagin message from 1964 where he teaches on the rapture and every word I'm saying is from that from that CD where he teaches flawlessly on the rapture. You can't have the Christ and the Antichrist here at the same time. We're the body of Christ, so the, the church departs. And how cool is that going to be to be evacuated? I'm in. I'm, I'm ready for a wonderful evacuation. And as weird as that sounds, we are going to disappear. The piles of clothes everywhere. Everybody craves a sign. That's a pretty big sign. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter how sophisticated you are. Uh, people are going to go, wow, the churches are empty and there's piles of clothes everywhere. Uh, I mean, you, you can't really ignore that. So that's going to preach. That's what the 144,000 Jewish evangelists are going to have a platform and go, those crazy church people disappeared just like they said. Just like Jesus. He went up and was raptured right in front of their eyes. And the angel said, this same Jesus is coming back in like manner. So let's go a little further today. I know there's so much to get into. So I want to get into some stuff that we don't really get to preach on a lot, but uh, it'll be fun. We'll get into it. So grab your Bibles and we'll do just a minute or two of review there in Luke 21. If you'll notice, we'll go there again. Because there is so much info that you kind of try to go over a little bit of it for a moment. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your mercy. Thank you for this wild bunch that came on Monday morning. Lord, bless them. Strengthen them for taking the time to come hear your word. We thank you for, for days of great change. We thank you for great utterance this morning. Lord, say exactly what you want to say to us. We're so amazed that you let yourself be murdered for us. You let yourself be killed for us. And you were raised from the dead. Help us walk in the full measure 
uh, what you left us 2,000 years ago. We thank you for that for every person in this room to enjoy all the benefits of redemption. In Jesus' wonderful name, everybody said amen. Go back to Luke 21, 24 again. That's a couple minutes of review, but he says in verse 24, they'll fall by the edge of the sword and they'll be led away captive unto all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So in 1967, exactly 50 years after 1917, what was the Balfour Declaration was, was documented that Israel gets their land. 50 years later, one jubilee, Jerusalem's won back. And the Lord tied timing to that city. How sweet of Him to where one, one miracle or two miracles, it was a city being uh, recovered. And I haven't gotten into all the miracles, but there was a time where the Syrian army was coming up against the Israeli soldiers, and they looked at each other, how many bullets do you have? He goes, well, i got three. How many bullets do you have? i got two. It was good serving with you because they knew they were going to die. Next thing you know, the whole Syrian army screamed out, Father Abraham, and took off running. You can see the interview of this Syrian troop. It's on uh, uh, YouTube and against all odds. He said it wasn't Father Abraham that scared us so bad. It was those huge angels with flaming swords. So you had divine intervention keeping uh, Israel get Jerusalem one back. One time, the Syrian army was coming down against them. There was a minefield right there. Israel had nowhere to go. They said, well, it's been great serving with you, but we're toast. Next thing you know, this huge wind blew through and exposed every single one of the mines, and they walked right through the minefield. Very Old Testament-like. See, because we're getting ready to go back to seven years of Old Testament time. And that's what everybody feels. They almost feel a works mentality because that's technically what it's going to go back to, which that's the bizarrest thing in the world to even say that. All right, let's go a little further. Verse 29, here we go. He, he spoke to them a parable. He said, look at the fig tree. That's the nation of Israel. Now, you know, I would have said look at the church because I'm in the church age. But see, he's talking to Jewish boys here about the second coming. He said, look at Israel. That will be your timepiece. And all the trees, the prophetic nations around Israel, when they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. Wow. Heaven and earth will be altered, but my words will not be altered. In other words, you can't change this. If you're here to see these two, you're it. So we're very, very privileged to be living when God's doing things in the earth, bringing verses to pass. Think about the dark ages when there was nothing said. Think about right before John the Baptist, 400 years of silence. John comes on the scene. When you're living, all of these verses, the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, all these things about the second coming are, are right in front of our eyes. So you've got the Hebrew language restored. you got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. you got the fertility of the land of Israel. <laughs> You look at that alone, it's just absolutely crazy. Israel has more trees than any nation since they've been keeping count. <laughs> I mean, you can go out in the 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 the, uh, the fields where the cornfields are, and there's roses everywhere. I said, why would they decorate their cornfields? The insects will go to the roses first before they go to the corn. Israel just knows what they're doing. I was on Mount Carmel one time, and I heard this jet kind of spool up. And I thought, what in the world is that? Look down, there's an F-16 comes out of a hole in the ground right where the Battle of Armageddon's going to be. Flew right up over me. I was like, oh dear Lord. I told my buddy, I said, I just saw that F-16 come right out of a hole in the ground. He goes, you're crazy. Next thing you know, this F-16 comes shooting right out of the hole in the ground, right where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be. So I say that because of the fertileness. You can look out. Israel produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. What if you ate an apple this morning, made New Jersey? Ate a pear, made New Jersey. Ate a banana, made New Jersey. Israel's the size of New Jersey and produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. 
It's so prosperous. You can go up on the Assyrian border in Israel, in the northern part of Israel where the Golan Heights are. No one has to tell you where the border is. The grass is lush, dark green, and all of a sudden it's dirt right where Syria starts. I told my Israeli buddy, I said, how do you get your grass to look like that? Do you fertilize it? Do you sprinkle it? He goes, are you crazy to get my grass to look like that? i got to use Scott Super Turf Builder four times a year. And I even called Scott's and said, you detuned your fertilizer. It doesn't work as well anymore. And she said, that's exactly right. And all because of God's Word. He said, I'll make the land preach for me. You don't have, No one even has to tell you a word. You can see how blessed Israel is all around you. Because this stuff is real. I'll give you one more before we get into all the signs and get into the rapture. and We'll have rapture practice in just a couple of minutes. It'll be powerful. One of the times I was there in Israel was in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, the, Garden, the Gethsemane is the olive press where pressure would be on Jesus where they would squeeze olives to get the olive oil out. And I'm in the Garden of Gethsemane and I was take, I had taken a tour with me and I was meeting up with another tour. And it was the other tour was uh, Billy Brim. And she said, Joe, would you do communion while we're in the Garden of Gethsemane? I said, sure. All of a sudden, I couldn't remember where the communion verses are. So here she asks me to do communion. I'm like, oh, my God, it's First Corinthians 11. I know now, but I'm starting kind of panicking. Like, okay, i got to speak in a minute. I have no idea what to say. <laughs> you know, so I'm panicking. All of a sudden, I have an open vision, uh, discerning of spirits. I look up over the Temple Mount and saw angels everywhere. And I thought, man, I'm losing my mind. I told my friend Tom DeMond, I said, dude, I just had an open vision. I saw angels all over the Temple Mount. And you can just tell it's the most active area of angels on the whole planet. He said, dude, you better come back to earth. You've got to do communion, you know. You know how your buddies keep you stable, you know? Right then, Billy said there was an old prayer named Phil Halverson that was standing here in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, looked up over the Temple Mount and had an open vision, said it's the most active area of angels on the whole planet. That's Jacob's ladder. Wow. See, see, this stuff is real. Jerusalem means plural. You've got an earthly and you've got a heavenly. See, it's amazing how we, we think sometimes, I hear people go, did that really happen? That really happened. I wasn't there when Moses split the Red Sea, but I believe it. Oh, come on. And here Jesus said, hereafter, you'll, Jesus said, hereafter, you'll see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Oh, come on. So this stuff is real. And we're about to see the King be glorified. This is the hour and the season of Jesus to be magnified. For the Son to be honored like never before. You'll see Him lifted up high and mighty, even over all the earth and over everything. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that He's Lord to the glory of God the Father. So with that, you've got tangible physical signs. you got the fertility of the land of Israel. you got the revival of the Roman Empire. Has anybody looked up the, the Capitol building? It's identical to the Tower of Babel. Look up the Capitol building in Strasbourg, France. It's not similar to the Tower of Babel. It's identical to the Tower of Babel. Crazy. So we're, we're watching all the tangible physical things. And you've got foxes show up on the Temple Mount. Fish show up in the Dead Sea. Birds show up to eat flesh. How crazy is that? The cleanup crews in Israel ready for the next event. So, so God's got all these groups in position. What's the church doing? I always thought it would be a little bit more exciting or if the church would get more excited. And I said it like this because I want to get to what I'm going to preach on today, but it'd be just like Colleen walking down the aisle. Me, I said this yesterday. Could you imagine Colleen walking down the aisle? And I'm standing there. This is so exciting. We're about to get married. And Colleen's like, Oh my God. Another one bites the dust. You, you know what I did for Colleen the day we got married? Now, if I think like this, think how the Lord thinks. So the day we got married, I had my best man take a, a present to my bride-to-be from Tiffany's in that little blue box, you know. And then I had David Ellis play the piano out in the backyard where they were getting their makeup on so my, my bride-to-be could hear the songs she wanted to hear and have a gift from Tiffany's. If I think like that, what do you think the Lord thinks like that for you? 
He's got wonderful things and surprises for you all the way up until the coming of the Lord. You watch, watch him shock you with his goodness and his kindness. Oh, it'll be awesome. So we have all these signs about the coming of the Lord. Then last night we got into the rapture. We're going to be caught up. We're going to be, uh, get us a brand new body. This mortal has to put on immortality. The stain of Adam is going to be taken off of us. And we'll have his presence uh, running through our body. Hallelujah. Flesh and bone with the glory of the Lord keeping us alive. So what an event. I mean, I know it's weird. There's a pressure on the whole church. The rapture's not coming. Why? The rapture's coming. As crazy as it sounds, Enoch departed, Elijah departed, Jesus departed. The church is going to depart and hand off to the Jews. So uh, days of great change. So you're watching the pressure of that uh, take place right in the earth right now. So with all that, let's go look at a couple of things. Let's go to Matthew 24, and we're going to get into some stuff. Uh, we'll get into a little bit about the second coming, and then we'll get into a little bit about the millennium, because we'll look at some stuff today that you don't hear a lot preached on. Your future. What will you be doing during the millennium? We're going to get into all that, and it'll bless you. Because when you see what your future is, it makes now start making a lot more sense. So go to Matthew 24, and let's look at the the second coming for a moment. Now, what's so cool about the second coming, it's probably the most documented thing in the Bible. I mean, every single prophet in the Old Testament will give you a little bit of a view of it. Think of Joel. He said, uh, wake everybody up. Uh, uh, Malachi said, he's coming back with healing in his wings. Zechariah is my favorite, because Zechariah shows people's faces melting away at the second coming. I remember the movie uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? That's where they get that from, is Zechariah. That it'll be so dramatic that their skin's melting away from their eye sockets. That's pretty radical. <laughs> so let's watch Jesus explain it and watch him go into detail. Matthew 24, look at verse 27. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I've never seen lightning that was casual, so it's going to be rather bold of an entrance. The first coming was so hidden, so under the radar, born in a manger. This second coming, every eye will see Him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that He's Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the second coming is going to be dramatic. So watch what he says here in verse 29. The second coming here is immediately after the tribulation of those days. Shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. All the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they'll see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. He'll send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they'll gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now that's another semi-rapture that's the elect at the second coming. He's going to bring them right there to Jerusalem for the sheep and goat judgment. I'll get into that here in a minute. But let's, 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 he's still talking second coming. He's not talking rapture here, okay? All of the gospels are all second coming verses. If you get that clear, everything starts making total sense. So go down a little further and watch him get clearer. It says in, uh, in verse, uh, 37, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Look at verse 38. For the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying, given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered in the ark, knew not till the flood came, took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now hang with me. There, after seven years of radical signs, people are still wanting to date, still people want to get married, they want life as usual. That's what the most radical pressure on the earth ever, people want life as usual. So watch how Jesus gives us the percentage right here. This is at the second coming. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken, and the other left. That's not the rapture. That's at the second coming. At the rapture, the righteous go up. At the second coming, the wicked are plucked off the earth. 
So he'll have the millennial reign start out with all righteous, natural-bodied people. Everybody get that? Okay, what's amazing is Jesus said, remember what Jesus said? I'll let the wheat grow with the tares. And at the end of the age, the angels will be the reapers. Here he's going to take one. The angels are going to come and leave the righteous and take the wicked. And watch what he says in the next verse there. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken and the other left. Notice the percentage, 50%. Just like when Jesus was on the cross. One thief got saved, the other thief did not. 50% revival is a pretty good revival. I preach in France and there's 1% of 1% saved. Germany, 3% saved. So Germany's going to get a 47% revival. That's pretty good. I mean, if you, if you, if you, I mean, obviously we want 100%, but think of the nations that you go to and there's only 1%, 2%, or 3%. So there's going to be a radical amount of people swept into the kingdom because of all the pressure. You know, some people won't, they'll wait till the last minute. I was preaching in Keith Johnson's church in Canada, gave the altar call, 96 year old man raised his hand. His wife was right there with him, his son was with him. He'd never been in church ever. I said, well, you ready to get saved? Man, I led him to the Lord, didn't even have him come down, walked over to him, he gave his life to the Lord. Next day, I went to the airport, flew home. pastor called me as I was getting ready to get on the plane. You remember that man last night that was 96? I said, sure. He said he went home to be with the Lord last night. Wow. Well, you talk about cutting it close. So, see, some people need pressure on them to make a decision. You don't want to wait till your last day on the planet to give your life to the Lord. So God's got a seven-year period. We call it judgment, but really it's pressure on people. It's called a foxhole mentality. Like you said in World War II, uh, there were no atheists in foxholes. People are saying, Lord, I love you as bombs are coming down. So it's sad that it has to be that way, but all that pressure is on people. And in the midst of that, we see at the second coming, the wicked are taken off the earth. Now Jesus is going to explain this. He'll tell you exactly what's going to happen right here. Why is this a big deal? It starts making the millennial reign of Christ more real to us because you're going to be ruling over those natural people. You're writing your resume for what you'll be doing during that thousand years. If you're faithful over so much, you'll rule over ten cities or you'll rule over uh, two cities. I just don't want to be using a weed eater in Louisiana. There's Brother Joe. No, I want to be ruling over some cities here. So so he, he starts making it clearer because the millennial reign is going to start with natural-bodied people that are uh, born again. So watch what he says in chapter 25. We'll get into a little bit more. Run with me a little bit. Matthew 25, look at verse 31. And when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, and He shall sit upon the throne of His glory, before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He'll separate them from one from another, as the shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. He'll set the sheep on His right hand, the goats on His left. Now this is, He's going to judge them, nations, based on how they treated His brethren. Okay? The sheep nations are people that are born again, will go into the millennial reign of Christ. Watch what he says here. And the, the sheep will sit on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then the king shall say to them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So the Lord's into this natural kingdom. So he's going to have a natural kingdom here on the earth for a thousand years that's going to be very much like right now. You're going to have football. You're going to have roller coasters. I remember preaching on the millennium. I was in Nebraska. I said, tell them they've never seen a roller coaster until they see one in the millennium. And I said that and everybody kind of freaks out because everybody thinks they're going to be worshiping for a thousand years. There's going to be sports. There's going to be football. There's going to be roller coasters. It'll be natural people and you'll be overseeing them. We'll get to that here in a minute because it gets cool because we don't, we don't ever hear that talk. We hear it's harp time. Thousand years. <laughs> thousand years of harp. Wouldn't that be something? That's why young people freak out because they think it's going to be boring. You won't even be able to spell boring. God's so, God's so cool. He's the coolest of cool. 
So here we see uh, this starting out this way. So go to Revelation 19. Let's look a little bit more because we're going to get to the millennium here in just a minute. Seriously, just hang with me a little bit. We'll get to some stuff that's going to be cool. Revelation 19. You know the verses so well. But run with me for a moment. Revelation 19. I know you can quote them. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Every night you read this before you go to bed. <laughs> Revelation 19. Revelation 19, look at verse 11, and we, we know this so well, but look at it in Revelation 19, verse 11. And here's Jesus, here's John seeing, uh, what Jesus just explained in Matthew 24 and 25, so you're seeing a different picture of it. Isaiah gives you different pictures, Zechariah, and here, here Jesus in verse 11 of chapter 19 of Revelation. I saw heaven open, this is John talking. I saw heaven open, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him is called faithful and true. In righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name's called the Word of God. Wow. Verse 14. The armies, this is us, which are with him in heaven, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. So during that seven-year period, you're going to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You're going to go to the reward seat of Christ. You know, the marriage supper lasts a year. You're going to have a meal for a year. That's pretty awesome. Uh, you, you can eat a lot of food in one full year. Amen. And, but also, we're going to go to horse flying school. Cause you're going to get, I, you know, I've ridden on a horse. I've gotten bucked off of horses. I've flown airplanes. I've ridden motorcycles, but I've never flown on a horse. Well, you look, you, giddy up. Here we go. We're going to be coming back from heaven with Jesus leading the charge. And the Bible says there'll be, it'll be a day that's neither night nor day. It'll be completely dark. And this light's going to come out of heaven. And you talk about the radiance of the Son of God. The Bible says at the second coming is so violent. Remember, the mountains are breaking. The Bible says at the second coming, uh, the, the temple goes up about 200 feet in Jerusalem and the water comes from the Dead Sea and gets near Jesus and goes out and heals all the waters in the earth. Jesus is so filled with life, it just gets close to Him and it comes alive. He's not close to you, He's in you. I've tried to preach so hard about Elisha. You know, Elisha had that army guy raised from the dead. He'd done uh, one shy miracle of Elijah. And they threw that dead army man in there and he got next to Elisha's bones and he's raised from the dead. That's amazing. That's cool. But that's absorption. You don't have absorption this morning. He's in you. You should be careful walking by cemeteries. You'll raise people up. Don't get too near cemeteries. If Elisha could do it under old covenant, think about you and I with him in us. It's not absorption. He's alive in you. So at the second coming, there's going to be some uh, geographical changes because the King, God, the Creator, he, he, he measured out the earth in His hand, the depth of the oceans in the palm of His hand. There's a hundred billion stars with a hundred billion galaxies like our sun. He calls them all by name. Just so you'll have twinkle lights at night. Seriously. All those galaxies are just, you look up and go, oh wow, twinkle lights. So this person, Jesus, is going to come back right here. Look what he says in the next verse there. Out of his mouth goes the sharp sword, verse 15, that he would smite the nations. He'll rule them with a rod of iron. Remember that. He's going to rule them with a rod of iron because they're natural people that will come through the tribulation that still have the seed of Adam in them. And they're in natural bodies. So he's going to have to rule them with a rod of iron. And he's raised up you as rulers. The church age will be a group of rulers that will rule over natural people for eternity. Let's go a little further. Get those wheels moving, praise the Lord. Get those gears moving here a little bit. 
So here in verse 16, he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Wow. Man, what an entrance. <laughs> you talk about going from low key to, to over the top. This is over the top. Creation will bow in adoration. Wow. Of Jesus, the creator coming back to the planet. Wow. All right, so that's cool. Let's look and see how it starts. Go to chapter 20. Here we go. This is what we'll get into for just a few minutes because it's so cool. We'll get into stuff about the millennial reign of Christ. And once we get through this, you'll see what your function will be. It'll bring you great joy and great hope. So go to Revelation 20 and look at verse 1. This is so cool. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit. This is Revelation 20, verse 1. And the great chain in his hand. Notice this one angel, not a legion of angels. One angel is going to bind the devil. I love this. He laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, Satan, and bound him a thousand years, cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loose for a little season. I can't wait for this to happen. I'm going to ask for permission from the Lord to go over and start singing to him. Hey, pit dweller, how you doing down there? How's it in the very bottom of the abyss? I'm not in the abyss, but my king redeemed me then I'm going to start singing to him. It'll, it'll be like the most tormenting noise you've ever heard in your life. So we see the millennial reign of Christ starts out with Lucifer bound, and we see the Prince of Peace comes back to the earth. And for a thousand years, you got Jesus on Fox, Jesus on CNN, Jesus on MSNBC, Jesus on every network. The knowledge of the Lord will go all over the earth. The, the movies will be about Peter and John going up to the gate called Beautiful. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Paul will have his own talk show. It won't be Ellen and Dr. Oz in the afternoon. It'll be Paul. Paul will interview Pastor David and Scarlett and he'll go, what was it like pastoring just before the coming of the Lord? They'll go, we used your letters to learn what we were in Christ. We've been quickened. We've been raised. We've been seated. And all of a sudden angels will go, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. So change is coming. This is the this is the, the the day of the sun to come to the earth. So let's go look at the changes. Go back to Isaiah 11. Let's let's just go look at it. Isaiah 11. Once we see this, we'll get into what our function will be. And man, it'll bless you. It'll strengthen you. Praise the Lord. Look at Isaiah 11. Isaiah chapter 11. And watch how clear it is what happens when the Prince of Peace comes. Isaiah chapter 11, if I can find it. Verse number... Four. This is I know this is a lot of verses to run through, but hang with me just a little bit because we're getting closer. Isaiah 11, verse number 4, But with righteousness He'll judge the poor. He'll reprove with equity the meek of the earth. He'll smite the earth with the rod of His mouth, and with the breath of His lips He'll slay the wicked. That's at the second coming. It's pretty radical. Righteousness shall be the girdle of His loins. Faithfulness the girdle of His reins. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. It's going to be kind of weird. You're going to go to a park and a kid's going to have a lion on a leash. You're going to go, whoa, hello. It might take you a little bit of time to go, that's not a dog, that's a lion. So the note, notice the moment the Prince of Peace comes, even nature's altered. Animals aren't killing people anymore. They're walking with kids. Wow. I mean, that, that's going to be kind of shocking. And then he goes a little further. He says, the suckling child shall uh, uh, play on the hole of an ass. The weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So it's going to be a wonderful thousand years. We're going to get into a little bit more of it. Go over to chapter 30. Let's look at what nature is going to be like. 
Because we're getting closer to your function. Just takes a minute. So just, just give me a minute. We'll get there. Because man, it gets cool. Isaiah chapter 30, look at verse 26. Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun. And the light of the sun shall be sevenfold, as the light of seven days. And the day the Lord binds up the breach of His people and heals the stroke of their wound. So, so nighttime is going to be like our day right now. Daytime is going to be seven times brighter. How cool will that be? I'll tell you what I'm going to do the first part of the millennial reign of Christ. I'm going to play golf at St. Andrews. Then I'm going to be translated to Augusta and play golf. Then I'm going to be translated to Pebble Beach and play golf. Then I'm going to be translated to Hawaii and play golf. Then I'm going to come right back around to St. Andrews and play golf because I'm going to play golf all night because it won't get dark and I won't get tired. And if I have some mortals playing with me, I'll go, boys, try to keep up if you can. I happen to be a glorified one, so let's keep rocking. I don't know about you, but as a kid, we played football. You'd go to football practice, and then when you came home from football practice, you played football until it got dark, and then you went under the streetlight and played kill the man with the ball. And we would have kept playing, but Mom goes, come come eat. Dear God, you, you hadn't stopped. So in the millennium, it's going to be light all night. Hallelujah. So obviously photosynthesis is different. So lifespan of a man's back to a thousand years, like before the flood. We'll see here in a minute where people live into a thousand years. Longevity, the Prince of Peace, the Devil Bound. Glory to God! Won't that be awesome? Nah, 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 nah. That's what I'm going to ask for permission, but we're going to get it. Praise the Lord! All right, let's look a little bit more. What about church? Will there be church in the millennium? Absolutely. Let's go look at it. Go over to Zechariah. Easy to find Zechariah. It's just before Malachi, because you know where Malachi is because of tithing. So go to Malachi and back. <laughs> That's right. Go to Malachi and back up one chapter. You can find it. Here we go. Malachi, and then go back to Zechariah. This is so cool. I'm trying to find Zechariah. Help me, Jesus. Here we go. Zechariah. Look at Zechariah 14. Now, Zechariah 13 is amazing, and Zechariah 14 is amazing. You know what Zechariah 13 says? I don't normally preach on this, but it says that two-thirds of the Jews are going to get killed. He'll bring one-third of them through the fire. Right now, there's nine million Jews in Israel. So there's going to be another holocaust of six million Jews. That's exactly amazing. I mean, if that's going to happen again. So uh, look what he says in Zechariah 14. Let's look at church. This is so cool about church. All of Zechariah 14 is extremely clear. But look at Zechariah 14, verse 16. If you've got a Bible like mine, it's page 1049. Verse 16. It shall come to pass that everyone that's left of all the nations which came up against Jerusalem. So see, people are going to make it through the tribulation that are born again, and they're going to be required to come up for church. And watch what he says here. They'll go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. If the family of Egypt go not up, they'll come not, they'll have no rain. Watch this. There, This is amazing. There will be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the peace of tabernacles. So during that thousand years, you got natural people that when they have kids and the kids reach the age of accountability, you're going to be telling them to get saved. You'll go, there's Jesus right there, I need to get saved. The Bible says that there'll be so many heathen, they'll choose not to go to church. The Lord goes, hey, no problem, you don't have to come to church, but you won't get any rain. Now this is what freaks me out. <laughs> That's why I said yesterday, in the ages to come, He'll show forth His goodness and His kindness to those that trusted in Jesus. We trusted in Him when we couldn't see Him. They'll be able to see Him and they'll still reject Him. Wow. Crazy! 
How do, you, how do you reject Jesus? He's too bright. I don't like his beard. What do you find wrong with the Lord? But see, that, that, see, we have this weird idea that everybody's just going to be like bewitched. Poof, everything's changed. God's going to let man rebuild the earth and he's going to let man make a decision to love him on his own, even without a tempter. And without a tempter, people still choose darkness. That's with you in a glorified body. That's with you preaching the gospel. That's with you showing there he is right there. You need to ask him into your heart. People still choose darkness, which is absolutely bizarre. We'll get into more of that here in a minute, but that's church. <laughs> you, you think we're, we're adamant about people coming to hear the word? The Lord's like, hey, you don't have to come, but you won't get any water. You don't get any water. You won't get any crops. You don't get any crops. You don't live very well. Now what, this is what I like about this. You know, I hear the word continually. I'm listening to Kenneth Hagin on YouTube. I'm listening to John Osteen. I'm listening to Charles Capps. I'm continually feeding myself the word. I'm bombarding my spirit with word because of the climate that I live in. It's very dark. How many of you at work, did they tell you this last week, man, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. At work, people aren't really telling you that, are they? But you know what? Jesus is so powerful, they only have to go church once a year and they're sustained for the entire year. Hang out with Jesus once a year and you're completely altered and filled with life. Man, glory to God. That's radical, isn't it? Mm. So let's talk about this for a minute. We'll get close to what our jobs are going to be because I won't go very long into it, but I want to bless you. This that We don't hear any preaching on this. But right now, we know in this dispensation, uh, we have the devil's thought pattern of the earth. He, we have principalities, right? Powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. Wicked spirits in heavenly places. What is that? That's Lucifer copying what God will have during the millennial reign of Christ. You'll have a sphere of influence over certain regions, just like demons try to do right now. The devil's not very smart. In fact, he's an idiot. (laughs) So he's trying to copy what the Lord's going to do. So that's what your influence will be during that thousand years. Let's go look at it. Go back to Isaiah. This is where it gets crazy cool. Go to Isaiah. And we'll start looking at what our job's going to be. Go to Isaiah chapter 60, and let's look at just a little bit before we get to our job. I think I lost a couple. Is everybody back with me? Come back, come back. <laughs> come back with me now. Come on. I, I think church kind of freaked you out about people being unsaved, not going to church. Is that crazy? Isn't it amazing that, you know what, the Lord's going to show off the church. You'll hear people whining during the millennium, and the Lord's going to go, what are you whining about? My church defeated the devil while the devil was physically on the earth. He's bound. What are you complaining about? Oh man, come on. He, oh, come on. He, the church knows their authority. Amen. Let's look at Isaiah 60. Run over there with me for just a moment. Look at Isaiah 60. Skip down to verse 21. Thy people also shall all be righteous. They'll inherit the land forever. A branch of my planting, the work of my hands that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, a small one, a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in my time. Go to chapter 61. We'll look at a little bit more. Verse 4. And they shall build up the waste places and they'll raise up the former desolations and they'll repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. I used to think, you know, at the second coming, the Lord's going to do like Bewitched. You know, like remember, my mom didn't want me to watch Bewitched. Remember she'd twinkle her nose and everything would change? We think Jesus is going to come back and twinkle his nose. No, he's going to let man rebuild the earth. I know what Russia's going to do the first hundred years of, of the millennium. They're going to have a super soaker filled with Clorox and they're going to clean their nation. I've preached all over Russia and you go into an apartment and I go, why don't they let the dogs go to the bathroom in the hallway? It's not the dogs, it's the humans. Because they don't own anything. So they go to the bathroom in the hallway. So Russia is going to be clean in Russia for the first hundred years of the millennium. Yeah, Portland, exactly. <laughs> Same thing. What do they have on their masks? They have the, the uh, uh, hammer and sickle, Russia's symbol. 
So let's go a little further. This is where this is what I've been waiting to get to, but we'll get here right now. Isaiah 65. This, this won't take but a couple minutes, but it's really fun. Isaiah 65. We just uh, I want to make this clear because this is so cool. This is the part I've been waiting for right here. Isaiah 65. Verse 20, there shall be no more than an infant of days, nor an old man hath not fulfilled his days. For a child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. So when a sinner dies in a natural body, they, they go to hell, indicating the natural-bodied saint's not subject to death. Why? This is what happens to the natural-bodied saint. This is where your life comes in. This is so cool. See, right now, you're tasting of the powers of the world to come. We know we talk about the gifts of the Spirit being the powers of the world to come. This is what's going to happen in the millennium. You'll have a natural body saint. Let's say he's a motocross guy. I grew up uh, doing motocross. We would jump on these jumps, and it, with T-shirts, we would put them how high up in the trees we'd go, and they had blood all over them because we wrecked so much. I'm so glad my mom didn't see this. But not once did we think, why don't we flip and do a 360? Never thought, that's insane. Now they do that with motorcycles. We, we, that's crazy. So during the millennium, you'll have a guy on a motorcycle, a natural body saint. He hits that jump and doesn't do it just right and flips over and breaks his neck. You, you've already seen it in a vision. That's called a word of wisdom. You're translated right there and you walk over to him and go, man, it's a good thing you live in the millennium. Rise, take up your bed and walk. It's in you to raise people up. That's why you're so mad that you don't see more of it now because that's what you'll be doing for a thousand years. You'll be, and somebody comes in during the millennium. They'll come into the church. So we got to change the bulbs in that light. The guy gets up on a ladder, slips and falls, and breaks his neck. You walk right through the wall. Go. It's a good thing you live in the millennium. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. You say, what do you mean? Why would they fall off the ladder? Because they've been saying their whole life, I'll probably do something stupid and fall off a ladder. They'll have exactly what they how, what they say, just like you do. It's in you to raise people up. So you're going to be implementing the kingdom for a thousand years being fulfilled. If, if taste, tasting's good, haven't you had a tasting of a piece of pizza? I don't want the taste. I want the whole pizza. Are you kidding me? Okay, hang with me. I, I remember I was preaching out in Southern California years ago. I took Lauren with me her senior year of high school. We went to a friend's church. Uh, uh, you know him, Ray Jean Wilson. So I go into Ray's church, and I had a vision. I saw a man that looked just like Robert Redford. And he had his hands around Pastor Ray's neck like this, upside down, like he thinks he's over him. I told Lauren, I said, I just saw a guy who looks just like Rob Redford. He's got his hands around Ray's neck, and his hands are upside down, looks like he thinks he's over him. Lauren goes, that's weird. Right then, we walked in the back room, and Ray came walking in. I said, hey, Ray, you got a guy in your church. He looks just like Robert Redford, but he's got his hands around your throat, but they're upside down like he thinks he's over you. Ray said, that's exactly right. We're supposed to start this other church, and that man in my church said, I'm not going to let you start that church. Ray opened up the collar of his shirt, and he had a rash on his neck where he was breaking out because that guy was putting so much pressure on him. We came in through the side door. I saw the guy looks just like Rod Redford. I said, Lauren, look, there's the guy right there. I got up and preached about, thus saith the Lord, he who looks like Rod Redford. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> no, I preached about the plan and the purpose of God for Ray's life. Uh, he's a builder and a planter. Don't try to stifle that. Jump in. Let that grace get on your life as well. And see, see, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. That's tasting of the powers of the world to come. They since started their other church. The other church is doing just as good as the other church. So the devil's trying to stop the growth of that church and the powers of the world to come make an adjustment to assist that pastor. See, that's why we're learning all this because you're not done when you're raptured. We have this tendency to think, Here's my harp. Here we go. Let's play a little bit. No, no, no. You're going to be doing this stuff. Why not get this now as opposed to going some remedial class in the millennium? 
I'll give you another one. I, uh, I talked about Michael Kalstrup the other day, that pastor from Iowa. Remember, I, told, I taught his sons how to use their handbrakes to do 180s, you know. And uh, one time I was going to one of his camp meetings there in Oakland, Iowa. He's out in a cornfield. And I was thinking, don't fall asleep on my way there because it's kind of tunnel vision. And they even have rumble strips because people will go to sleep running to the church. So on my way there, that one of the morning meetings of a camp meeting, I had a vision. Remember, it's okay for me to have a vision. I'm a young man. Old men dream dreams. Young men see visions. But I've been having more dreams lately. But anyway, <laughs> help me, Jesus. So I'm on my way to the church, and all of a sudden I have a vision. I see Michael flying his own airplane. It's like a Cessna 210. He lands on this runway, and he gets he's real tall. He's about six foot five. Gets on that runway and, and climbs out of that Cessna. And a young pastor walked up to meet him. He took an outline out and said, hey, I'm here to try to help you maybe not make the same mistakes I may have made. Next thing you know, he takes that plane off, lands on another runway. I saw a different pastor come up to him. He took the same outline and said, I'm going to help you not make some of the same mistakes I may have made. Next thing you know, it was a different runway. You can see the cracks, you know, on the concrete. Next thing you know, I'm back in my car. I'm going, wow, I'm still driving there. I haven't hit the building. Thank you, Jesus. Got up and preached a little bit. Said, hey, Pastor Mike, this means something to you. Wonderful. If it doesn't, forget it. I could miss it by a mile. I said, you'll have your own airplane. You'll use it like a car. You'll fly around all these churches and you'll help these young pastors. I didn't even know this. He was taking flying lessons. Since then, he bought a Cessna 210. Raymond asked him to be a regional director. And he uses that plane like a car going up into Minnesota, up into North Dakota. And he said, he got up from the platform after I said that. said, what did I say last week? I'll have my own plane and I'll use it like a car. Now, why would the Lord do that? Because some people in the church will go, well, how come he needs his own plane? The, the Lord's trying to implement the plan and the purpose of God for that pastor's life. That's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. So see, we're, we're tasting now. And we're frustrated because there should be a lot more. Well, there is a lot more. And we're going to press on to have all the miracles and all the glory of God we're supposed to have, but you're not done. I'll give you another one real quick because we're, we're closing. It's 11, 11, 15. This one was fun. Colleen and I were living out in California and uh, traveling out of a church out there because we felt like we were supposed to. And uh, we came back to Tulsa for Winter Bible one year and we were going to go to a birthday party for my sister's son, my nephew, Zach. So after the service, you know, we went over to these people's houses and they had a big circle drive, you know. And as we come into that circle drive, I couldn't get out because there were so many cars parked that way. So I told Lauren, my daughter, and Colleen, my wife, you guys go in that door right there. I'm going to back up. So uh, I didn't know this, but Colleen got out of the van and saw some kinfolks in the window and didn't move. I looked back behind me to back the van up, and I ran over Colleen. I heard my wife screaming bloody murder. I'm like, oh, my God. I just ran over Colleen. I pulled the car off her leg, got out of the van, walked over there. She's laying on the ground screaming. Cats and dogs, kids come running up, and Colleen's laying there screaming. Lauren looked at my wife. Colleen's laying there screaming. I walked over to her. I said, I command in the name of Jesus of Nazareth for your leg and your ankle to be healed right now. I said, get up. And she looked at me like, have you lost your mind? I said, get up. I picked her by the hands like that. The power of God went up and down her body. She goes, oh, my God, this is real. Instantly set free right wow, there. Wow, praise God. Went to walk into the party. My sister goes, how are you doing? I went, meh, 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 bah. I couldn't even talk. I was so freaked out. I said, meh, 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 meh. I'm doing good, meh. I couldn't speak. I just ran over my wife. She's completely healed. I, I flew to Daytona the next day to preach. She flew back to California and was jogging the neighborhood. That's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. If she can have her ankle and her leg shattered and right there be recreated, right there on the ground. See, we, 
we're learning all this because this is what the Lord loves to confirm His Word, but we're not done. Why do you think people are so frustrated? They're like, oh man, I just got so much in my heart because you're going to live forever. I'll give you one more. I'm stopping right now. Stop right now. How many of you have been to Yuma, Arizona? You ever been to Yuma? Thank God we're not in Yuma. Amen. God, thank God we're not in Yuma today. Amen. Forever. <laughs> so I was in Yuma one time years ago. I was traveling with this prophet, this wild prophet. And we finished the service. You know, he preached a little bit. I went back to the book table. You know how being the, the crusade guy, we call me the shoeshine guy. And uh, I back there at the book table, and all of a sudden I have a vision. I see the pastor of that church in a push-pull airplane. That's a twin-engine airplane where one engine is going this way and the other engine is going the other way. It's kind of a weird airplane. He, I see him in a vision. This is a word of wisdom. I see him in a dive. I see his pilot pulling back on the yoke of that plane. Papers are flying up in that airplane. The, the pilot was bald, had a little bit of gold-rimmed glasses with a little bit of hair right there. So I'm thinking, oh, man, I know what that is. That's a word of wisdom. This is crazy. So we're going to go to Denny's that night and have a little grand slam. We're going to have some pancakes and some eggs and some bacon and all that. So I'm thinking, dear God, i got to say something to the pastor, you know. So we get to Denny's, and, you know, I'm the shoeshine guy. I'm just going to be, be quiet, you know. So I'm sitting there eating, and the pastor goes, hey, I'm going flying tomorrow in a push-pull airplane. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just saw him in a push-pull on a dive. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, I'm eating my bacon, going, when do I say something, you know? So I don't, want, don't tell the prophet, prophet, you just hold that, it's all over me. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of wait for the right, there's protocol to wait for the right moment. So as time's running out, I go, Pastor, i got to say something to you. I said, before we came here at the church, I saw you in a push-pull airplane. I'll tell you what your, what your uh, pilot looked like. And this is exactly what it's, remember, uh, Elisha and the Old Covenant went not in my heart with you? I was in the plane with them. I saw papers flying up. I saw that pilot panicking, pulling on the yoke of that plane. Well, I said, don't freak out. I said, just be careful of what you're doing. Find out what's going on. I flew back to Tulsa the next day. He, he went to the airport and checked up on his pilot. He had used fraud to say he was checked out in a push pull. That pastor got another pilot and everything was fine. That's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. That's a word of wisdom. So all of this stuff is real. All of this stuff is available for us to get ready for the next dispensation. Who would have ever thought that we'd be the word people? How cool is this that we have trusted in him, not based on our feelings, that while Jesus is in Jerusalem and you're in Florida, you know exactly what his character is. He doesn't have to physically be standing there by you and go, Joe, go do this because I know him because of his word. It's the most amazing plan ever that he'd raise up a group of overseers. Whether you like it or not, you're going to be semi-pastoring that whole thousand years. You're going to be over, have oversight over people. Won't that be joyful? Paul said, why would you even go to court when you're going to rule the world? The word rule, there's judge. Just like God raised up judges to rule over Israel, he's going to have the glorified ones rule over the natural ones. Israel will be the head of all nations, natural nations. They'll be tithing. You say, what do you mean, tithing during the millennium? Absolutely. Natural nations will tithe to, to Israel. And we'll be glorified bodies. Now I'll give you conjecture and I'm closing right now. Go back to Revelation 20. Let's do this and we'll go. Sorry, sorry, sorry. This will bless you. Conjecture. Are you ready for conjecture? I personally believe that we'll be living in heaven and going back and forth to the earth just like angels do right now. The Bible says these angels do always behold the face of my Father for these kids. You know how fast the speed of light is? You pull the trigger on a gun, the earth will go around the bu- the bullet will go around the earth eight times before you take your finger off the trigger. That's how fast you're going to be traveling during that time. 
I like speed. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Alright, look at Revelation 20. This is the, this is the crazy part. We're stopping right here. Stopping right here. Revelation 20. Look at this. Verse 7. This is crazy. At the end of the millennium, look at verse 7. Revelation 20, verse 7. When the thousand years are expired, Satan will be loosed out of his prison. He'll go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is the sand of the sea. So with Jesus physically reigning from Jerusalem where people can see Him, still the number that reject Him is the sand of the sea. That's with you raising people up, implementing the kingdom, perfect righteousness... Wow, it's crazy. Look what it says. They went up on the breadth of the earth and encompassed the camp of the saints about the beloved city, Jerusalem. Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So the devil's so stupid, he still goes back to Jerusalem and tries to kill the saints. That's the last rebellion we see right there is, is stopped right there. After that, you have the great white throne judgment. And then the Lord gets a U-Haul and moves heaven down to earth. Don't, don't you hate moving? The Lord's going to move the new Jerusalem down here to the earth. The earth's renovated. It's not destroyed, but it's renovated. And He's going to move His address. Heaven will come down to the earth. The new Jerusalem. So great things ahead. And we happen to be on that sliver of time. The Bible calls the consummation of all things where, 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 where literally the sun gets to have a, a, an hour of being magnified. He was spit upon, ridiculed, mocked, but all of a sudden honor, power, and glory, and dominions coming to Jesus. Whereas the earth and every creature will say He's God, He's Lord. He's the creator and the author of life. Man, what a time. What, 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 what a time where He will be honored like He ought. And Lucifer, won't, His day will be up right there. That's, that's the last rebellion. So man, think about that after that. Think about that. Never, never crying again after that. No, no sadness. The former things will have passed away. Wow, that's going to be cool. All the hell everybody's gone through all their life. <laughs> no more hell. The Bible says we're going to be standing there at the throne, a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Crystal's the only element that can't hide a flaw. We'll be flawless before the throne of God. And there'll be no storms. The water's calm. No, I, I have authority over storms right now. So storms are a piece of cake. I don't romance the storm, I speak to it. Okay? You hear people saying now, well, it's just God's molding and shaping you through the storm. No, that's the devil trying to kill you. Let me say that again. That's the, don't ever think God's training you through sickness and disease or storms. Not one time my daughter did I think on the way to school, I think I'll break your leg so you can learn more today. That's insanity. <laughs> how, how many, wouldn't that be weird? There's a pull-off area at school. What's that for to break their legs? What? Are you crazy? <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. So great things ahead. Do you see your future? You, you're going to be working with the Lord forever. Wow. And that thousand years, is we're, we're, we're so close to the rapture of the church. We'll get into more tonight, or maybe Pastor David will preach tonight. I begged him to preach this morning. So thank you, thank you, thank you for coming. Let's honor him for just a moment. Lord, we want to honor you. We've come on Monday morning. You know our hearts. We love you. We're communicating we love you. We thank you for your plans and your purposes. You're, we're in awe of how you set us up to be your church. That in the ages to come, you, you'd show your kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you, bless you, magnify you. Be lifted up, Lord. Be glorified, be honored. In everything that we say and do, Lord, we thank you that you'll be lifted up. Lord, we thank you for great peace for everyone in this room. Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. I thank you for the strength that you've given this church. 
and the voice you've given this church. I thank you for amplifying their voice in this community. Great favor upon them, Lord. Divine, supernatural favor to this church, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.